Hi, my name is Kate, and this is The Sex Salon. I had actually retired my podcast a while back, but then the world changed. Following is a mini-series of free episodes on love and sex in Berlin after COVID, after it became part of our lives. I'll be covering porn, dating, and sexual health with some of my friends and experts, and putting up lots of juicy links. I do hope you enjoy. seems like the waters divided when the pandemic hit and social distancing was a measure to try and break the curve. Suddenly we had this grave and humanistic responsibilities to each other, saving each other by staying apart from each other. Some people had people to be intimate with and to share the experience with. Others, mostly single people, didn't have that. But we've always acknowledged, maybe now more than ever, that we're social creatures and need companionship and physical touch to stay sane. Some people took to completely abstaining from dating, but most people took it online. When you live in a big city like Berlin, you usually had lots of opportunities to meet new people, concerts and leisure activities, but also friends, house parties, and of course the classic, but useful bar. With the lockdown, all of this disappeared. This made me wonder, What exactly happened to dating in Berlin during the COVID-19 pandemic? My guest today is Ida Nesher from the podcast Unmatch Me Now, a podcast about quote-unquote horrible and weird sides of online dating, taking place in primarily Berlin. Ida is also writing a new book on online dating, and I could think of no better person to give me a perspective on the future of dating in Berlin. So without further ado, welcome Idan. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> Very nice to have you. Yeah. In my studio, it's always a pleasure when you have like fellow podcasters. Yeah, definitely. I love uh, being hosted on other podcasts. Yeah, be on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just gonna like cut to the chase, but like before we talk about dating and the pandemic. I was wondering, because you have a lot of dating experience in the city and have made like a career out of it, uh, what was it like dating in Berlin before the lockdown? Like what is the before special the flavors of like Berlin? Like what kind of people, what are people looking for? How's hmm. it like? I think, I think notoriously Berlin is a city where it's hard to find relationships and easy to find everything else. Uh, that's what uh, people say. And I think it's, there's some truth to it. I'm not sure if it's maybe a metropolitan thing in general. Um, you know, a lot of options, a lot of possibilities, a lot of things to do, a lot of people you can meet. And you can literally go on a date every night if you heart desire. But I think Berlin really, for me, categorizes in the perhaps spontaneity and... I mean, for the positive sides, spontaneity, openness, and adventure potential, because people are much more likely to be open to do different things. I think kink and fetish is quite common on dating apps, on regular dating apps here, like on Tinder or whatever. Uh, you can also find people for, to just go on different activities, like going to Bergheim, go to clubbing, go to, you know, like to whatever. So I feel like there's a lot of diversity in the options that you have and the type of people you can meet. But then on the other hand, that also creates the flakiness, the 
more sense of everything is casual you know like commitment is quite a big issue i think for a lot of berliners so i think that comes hand in hand in some way of course i mean this is something you you can find still you can you can find people for relationships i know people just like went on tinder one time went on one date and since then been in a relationship but it's i think generally harder to do and also depends what is your metrics or what you're looking for in a relationship or what is actually the thing that you're looking for to begin with so it doesn't necessarily have to be a relationship it could be whatever so i think that was before the pandemic this sense of like everything goes who knows what's gonna happen you know so it's but then it's interesting you know before we dated we went to like Berghain with a date or went Mm -hmm. clubbing uh bars or like experimented with kings and and so on and i know also there's a lot of open relationships i see um mm-hmm. people posting their profiles which i think also is like a very berlin thing or at least to be very open about it it's really booming now as well mm. but then with without all of these things you know when the the lockdown happened and we had none of these opportunities to to meet each other like how did the dating scene change like i know there was a big like boom in downloading of of uh, dating apps mm-hmm. and some articles also suggested there was a boom in video calls in the dating apps and that in general people were taking a bit more thing to know each other um how did you experience it it changed so i interviewed a bunch of people about this for the podcast um and from my own experience as well i have to say that for me, it was a little bit the opposite than some of the things you said. I feel like Berliners actually took the opportunity to shorten the the journey, like the dating journey in some ways. Like a lot of people would expect you to come over. I think men kind of transcend into this like, we can't go to bars, so let's come over here and let's fuck, you know? And they had, like, this mindset all of a sudden. I hear a lot of uh, women complain about this on Tinder. Guys kind of ex- expect that now. I think that park dates have become a thing now, officially. <laughs> That's the way to date. Like, I, I remember asking uh, some people, why are you on, on Tinder? And they're like, yeah, I'm just bored, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, just trying to swipe and see what's out there and maybe chat to someone like chit chat on the app and that's it yeah because also tinder opened up their like um international swiping right so for free everybody could like swipe anybody in the world Mm -hmm. which is like why would that make sense you know like to a lot of people it wouldn't but then again i guess you know it just helped people being lonely and just needing some sort of like interesting curious approach to meeting other people yeah i mean i think that was a very chaotic decision from tinder i did have two online dates and i have to say that i feel that berliners and maybe germans or possibly europeans are not so much into video things to begin with i think people are kind of awkwarded by it a little bit as um, that goes also for phone calls because um during the pandemic, I remember Tinder uh, said they're going to introduce video calls in app. And Bumble already did that last year. They have phone calls and video calls. Nobody uses those that I know. 
Uh, I haven't heard about any person that used those. I think the articles I researched about it were where they were saying there was a big boom in video calls were mostly in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I think that's a whole different story, like dating in, in America, because like distances are bigger. People work a lot more in general. I think they, they're like dating structure is very different from European. Yeah. So maybe that's just been, I don't know, more appealing to them over there. I, f- I someone told me, and that made sense to me that in the States, for example, they it's actually more dangerous to meet people like in most states it's really would be much more dangerous to meet strangers because people have guns yeah because there's like it's much more erratic in some way and there's more dangers to begin with i feel also just like walking out in certain areas would be more dangerous like in berlin you can more or less depends on the time of the day and who you are of course but more or less there is no like heavy gang things or you know like heavy crime parts oh, it's, it's like out of our vision you know it doesn't really interfere with yeah exactly yeah. yeah so i feel like that makes americans or people from the united states to be more cautious about who they meet and who they are and also i feel the distances is bigger sometimes mm-hmm. for them so they have to drive like they don't have good public transport so they have to drive so maybe that's why as well and in Berlin it's just it's just it's not in the vibe I feel like it's not something we do like why would I video call you it's like just made in the fucking bed or something you know so so actually I had one experience with video call during quarantine but it was a person that I had already met in real life and had dated a little bit like a year ago who had moved abroad and then we like regain contact during lockdown and we're like okay let's have like a date and I was like so <laughs> thrilled to be asked out on a date because I've been like in my jogging pants and hoodie for weeks <laughs> and the whole idea of like okay like Friday night eight o'clock I'm gonna like you know do a shower before and put on makeup and put on <laughs> my little black dress and accessorize and open a nice wine and light candles and then like you know log in and and say hi to this guy and that was such a nice experience it made me feel human again because it was like me repeating something that I used to do and mm-hmm. uh, so it reminded me of like life you know what it used to be like and they might suggest something the atmosphere the vibe kind of takes in that direction but then it can also get a bit dangerous because like where is your online safety protocol mm-hmm. and it's something that a lot of us don't have experience with because we didn't necessarily use it beforehand i know a lot of people did but for a lot of people it was quite new and then maybe being taken aback in the situation not knowing exactly how to relate to it you know how do you make sure people are not recording this and and so on and this is probably going to be how we're going to be dating in the future as well, more and more online. So what are your suggestions to like staying safe in those kind of scenarios? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I think that first you have to, just like in most real life terms, you have to trust your instincts a lot first, but then if there is room for doubt and in general, I think the safety practices have to be there for the minimum part to not show your face if you decide to go that path and this is something you sure you want to do don't put the face your face in the frame 
So if you send nudes, no face. If you have a video with nudes, no face. I also would recommend maybe picking a part of the room that is un, doesn't have any particular features that can lead to you. No pictures in the background, maybe something uh, very bland like a, a wall or something, you know, like on your bed, you know, that could work as well. Of course, that doesn't really help to people that have very identifying features like tattoos or something like that. But, you know, I think that that is something you need to be mindful of. I would recommend to not do this with someone that you haven't met for a few times unless you, again, really, really, really feel this is something you want to do and then you have these protocols to protect you because, you know, we have to face the truth that sometimes we make still risky decisions but within that risk, you can have manageable risk, let's put it like that. People need to be aware of what the apps that they use what protection they offer them. So I I don't remember particularly, but I think WhatsApp does not tell you if someone screenshot or record your uh, screen, but Telegram does. And I think Telegram actually blocks it. Snapchat, the same thing. It will tell you if someone screenshot things. Instagram only tells you if someone screen, screenshot your stories or your pictures, I think, uh, like your pictures you send. So it's not really a safe one. If anything, I would go reorient around Telegram for those things because it's the most safe app for those kind of things and maybe do it in a secret chat that you can do there so things expire as well. And you can't... So, for example, if you send nudes on Telegram on a secret chat, those things will expire and you can't screenshot. Telegram blocks that. But let's put it like this. If someone really wants to get your nude, it's a sinister you know, like a cause they want to do. First, they can have another phone, so like picture in that other phone. That's really easy. They can have uh, things that bypass those security measures if they really know what they're doing. So you have to be mindful about it. I guess that would be my general thought about it. Yeah, that's a lot to take in. And I think it just comes to us being more educated about these things like things you're telling me now I didn't know for example about telegram because there was also in my research I found studies suggesting that revenge porn numbers have gone up since the pandemic hit simply because people are engaging in more risky behavior so we need to kind of get it to and I think especially I want to say young people, but also older people who might not so tech savvy. You know, this needs to be a lot more public information about how to stay safe because, you know, people can do it. Yeah. No matter what we tell them. Yeah, that's Um, true. I also really encourage people to, before you send nudes, to ask uh, or at least to say, listen, this is just for your eyes. You cannot share this with anyone. And in case that person... They'd never heard about that, uh, you know, like uh, guidelines. Don't do it. So, like, don't share it. It's only for you. Just to reinforce that. Um, that's maybe a that's, good idea. Yeah. Um, so taking it from the online world and into real life, like dating during during the pandemic, but then in those situations, you would have to obviously talk about COVID if you want to kiss somebody, if you want to get intimate with somebody and then you need to have those type of conversations that we didn't used to have before do you have any tips to like how we do that Mm -hmm. 
uh, I, I remember some girls on Tinder wrote, don't ask me about social distancing. Don't ask me about this because everybody was asking about it. I think it was mainly referring to how's social distancing been for you? You know, stuff like that. Or what have you been up to during this time? Those kind of questions. But I also feel people wanted the escapism part much more nowadays. Like they just want to not think about it. And sometimes you could, you could argue it's a red flag a little bit. But maybe not as an opener. Some, if you're about to meet someone, maybe ask them about this. If you feel like, oh, I want to meet this person, then how's your social distancing uh, you know, protocol? Protocol, <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I feel Berlin is... I, I mean, I don't know much about other places uh, besides Israel, maybe. But I feel Berlin is, has been a bit reckless. And I... For some some part, I can understand it. So what I would do is I try to meet people in public, like uh, open spaces, uh, parks better. And maybe if it's someone, uh, I mean, maybe as a general guideline, try to keep like a little bit of a distance when you walk, you know, maybe at the beginning. Although I admit, didn't happen all the time. I, for example, had a date where... We had a really good date and I really wanted to kiss the person. Mm -hmm. And then I simply had to like, you know, I would be mortified <laughs> asking this question normally, being like, and especially on the first date, being like, how many other people are you dating? But, and like, how many other people are you intimate with? But I was like, I'm, no, this is like super awkward, but I'm just, mm -hmm. I have to ask you this mm -hmm. just to like, kind of know where I was standing. You know, it's like, are you dating one other person? Or do you have 25 lovers, you know? And because of the current situation, it was okay to ask that, you know? We have like a green card, like a carte blanche to ask those kind of questions now, which before mm -hmm. it would be end of date, you know? Really? Yeah, I think uh, it was always okay to answer, to ask this, no? On a first date, ask like, people how many other people they were sleeping with or dating? Maybe not before kissing, um, but because um, that might ruin the moment. But... Um, <laughs> So I, f I think there's, it's, let's correlate this to how people communicate about STIs, for example. So some people are okay with people asking them right before they're about to have sex, are you clean or are you good or like you tested? Some people find it very, I mean, I guess some of them find it offensive, but that because they come from a different orientation, that's not really the right one, I think. But also maybe it kind of a turn off a little bit when it's right before. So maybe you need to ask yourself, is this something I need to know, really? Is it something that uh, I really want to know and it's important for me? And then when is the good time for me to ask this without feeling uncomfortable and make the other person uncomfortable? I think for me, it would be maybe before or unfortunately after, but before is better, clearly. The question also is how many people, so what would you do with the answer? That is the question. So if that person, I don't know what they answered you, but if they said five, what would you do? That's a really good question. <laughs> In this case, the person said one mm -hmm. other person. So I was like, that's a risk I'm willing to take. Hmm. But yeah, it's really hard. And it's hard if you're in a situation where you have like had your couple of like steady beers and gone for the walk and, and you know, you just really want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. 
it's difficult, but I think, you know, as you said, like having the conversation about SCI, I think having this conversation about COVID maybe can like, norm, you know, normalize having other types of conversations. Yeah. And I think also borrowing knowledge from like the poly community mm-hmm. and polyamorous people being used to having these conversations a lot more. There's a lot for us to, to learn. And I think COVID opened our eyes to that. But actually, you know, talking about having those couple of like spaddy beers because <laughs> now there's been no clubs and bars and so on to like go on dates at and have Berliners has been like more sober dating than ever have they? <laughs> I guess so that's I mean park dates tend to be a bit sobering yeah that's true you can't like order you know shots of tequila in yeah. the park is that something yeah. you do on dates? wow okay should <laughs> <laughs> uh. try a date with me it's a food <laughs> Yeah, I think people have been definitely sober and I mean, also correlating, uh, backtracking a little bit, uh, poly community, I think it's interesting. I'm I'm poly myself and it's been really interesting to communicate to other poly people, um, not necessarily people I was trying to date, just generally about how they do it. And there's like so many different levels of strictness. I remember before this for uh, June, before May, I, w- I had two partners and that was kind of interesting to, you know, how do you arrange this now? Because I have to be mindful of who they're seeing and if they are seeing other people. And then it becomes a bit complicated. And then, I mean, this whole household issue, like how many household are we really, you know? And then I feel like I had to reduce also my casual partners. Like I had to actually see none of my casual partners, just my core partners and that was interesting to think about this to be mindful about this and i think nowadays i also try to be more proactive about asking my partners the people they're seeing are they working in certain things that are risky are they're going around or they're going to raves you know like stuff like that so i think it's good to communicate about those things in general like stis and all those things normalized communication about it i think that's good so it's not all bad. It's and not all bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a new normal, you know? Yeah. And we're just adapting to it right now. And it's it's so interesting to see what dating is going to look like in the, in the long term from now on, because we're not going back to normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be interesting years from now to look back on this for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's why I also wanted to have this conversation, because it's like, this is untethered territory. We have no idea how this is going to yeah. affect us long term. But um, but thank you so much for your inputs. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. So before we uh, close off, I know you're writing this book on online dating. Do you want to mm-hmm. give a shout out for it? Um, yeah, I mean, I just really started. So it's it's been on my mind for about a year. Uh, so I've been doing the podcast for two years. I interviewed, let's say, a little bit shy over 100 people about online dating from all over the world. And as as me being uh, a UX researcher and uh, so on, I wanted to kind of synthesize what I gather from my own experience and what I hear from people about online dating. And it's more about, so the, the general orientation is ethical online dating and how we can make it better for everyone but also for ourselves and I, ju- I want to just emphasize that I'm definitely not coaching on dating I'm not trying to be a, a, some sort of a how to have better dates or anything like that it's more about 
how to orient yourself around online dating and be more mindful and ethical about uh, things. So it's about body shaming, sex positivity, some a little bit radical thinking as in define uh, certain social norms a little bit, for example, attraction, maybe a lot of things about biases and biases, unfortunately, they correlate from what I noticed to a lot of things to let's say very mild racist things people think and say that they are not aware of and also uh, body shaming things that people say and do how you communicate about your boundaries how you communicate about consent and all those things so i think those things are missing there and you know i i hear a lot of horrible stories basically so from most of the horrible stories you can kind of gather this sort of synthesis of why they happen and how we can make them not happen again so i think that's the orientation of the book a little bit also a little bit about the technology part algorithms and um, a bit about the technology of how online dating can be better as apps and what does we maybe as the clients need to do to push those companies to be more ethical so um, open sourcing or um, you know thinking about the way the world progress into non-binarity in different ways and how does this should affect uh, algorithms as well so i think all of that kind of gonna be there so your book is more relevant than ever right now <laughs> hopefully yeah well, hopefully it will be by the time i finish it <laughs> yeah cool i'm really excited to read it me too and yay <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much thank you for having me it was really great yay yeah. it's a wrap <laughs> <laughs> nice